0: the minnesota wilds get back into the win column against seattle with a three nothing shutout win over the kraken and there's a lot to discuss from this game we'll talk about the goaltending we'll talk about the new look defense new look line combos all of that and more coming up so let's fire it up and break down the win You are Locked On Wild Postcast, part of Locked On Minnesota on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's happening, everybody? Minnesota Wild win by a score of three to nothing over the Seattle Kraken. We finally got to the 10 win mark on the season. And uh, for the Wilds, they finished the road trip at two and two. They are able to overcome. The news uh, earlier today that uh, Jonas Brodeen was going to be out for a while and uh, the Wild were able to come away with, uh, by and large, a, a pretty solid win here uh, in this one tonight. And so I want to start going to try to do this more consistently is to just hit on our uh, pregame keys for uh, this one tonight. Number one key was to start off strong against a Kraken team that played last night against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And uh, the Minnesota Wilds able to get the only goal of the first period. And so uh, I would say mission accomplished in that regard. Now, it was a very tight game between these two teams. The uh, The shot opportunities were uh, few and far in between. But uh, the Wilds were able to uh, grab a couple of, They were able to grab a couple of goals and uh, really just not allow Seattle to get anything going. Um, Get to the back of the net, get to the net and attack Uh, Joey Decord today. I think we got to tip our caps and say that he was uh, he was really good in this one. The Wild had a ton of opportunities that they just weren't able to bury. Uh, And so you got to tip your cap to the opposing goalie to keeping Seattle in the game and uh, preventing the wild from really pushing this one out of reach. And uh, the wilds, one of my other keys was to avoid straining the penalty kill with uh, unnecessary penalties. Now, this one was, I I think, a partial point because the penalties that the wild were called for uh, were of the variety that's you'd like to see not happen as frequently as they have. But after two penalties in the first period, the Wild finished the game with three total. And so penalty kill not uh, overly exposed in this one. Um, And I'll uh, I'll consider that a partial point for what we saw here today. But the big story in this one, I think, is the play of Philip Gustafson. He recorded the shutouts. He stopped all 24 shots that he faced. And I think Gustafson's play, especially on the penalty kill, was one of the biggest reasons that the Wild were able to win this game. It was fascinating to me how the broadcast pointed out the way Seattle structures their power play. They like to have a player directly next to the net that can get the pass down low and just kind of slide over in front of the net to uh, to try to tip one past uh, the goalie. And Seattle got that opportunity multiple times throughout the course of the night, and Gustafson was able to stop a bunch of point-blank looks to prevent Seattle from scoring. So credit to Gustafson there, and there were a few instances in which Gustafson was able to stop um, multiple shots in one um, entry into the zone. But by and large, too, this defense, the wild defense did a good job of just making it tricky for Seattle to be able to get into the zone and to generate looks. There were minutes, there were long stretches of minutes of this game in which Seattle just struggled to get through the neutral zone into the offensive zone. And so I think the biggest worry coming into this game, of course, was how the the wild D pairings were going to be able to handle things. And there really were no egregious breakdowns in this one. there were was nothing where you kind of look up and are thankful that Seattle didn't score because uh, of something that blew up or somebody somebody lost a tire. uh the defense I think played really well in this game by and large and um I, I tweeted out after the game that one of the uh, three stars, has to be Zach Bogosian. Uh, I thought he was really strong in this one, and he was rewarded with a bunch of minutes. He played 18 minutes in this game. He had, uh, I think, three hits. He had a couple of block shots, and this is kind of a key point here for this Wild team: is you have a veteran player in Bogosian who has been playing a third pairing role for this Wild team. Obviously, you need guys to step up in the absence of Jonas Brodine, and Bogosian was one of the guys that did. Jake Middleton was another, and uh, Brock Faber able to um, able to step up his game, although it's it, I, I don't want to say the word step up because he already does so much, but the fact that Faber was able to kind of somehow find another gear to turn it to is encouraging because that's going to be something that this team needs to do on a nightly basis, and most nights it's going to be the same guys, but there are going to be some other nights where somebody else has to step up and to help really assert that um, the game defensively that the Wild are trying to play. And so the fact that those guys were able to uh, to fill the um, fill the void left by Jonas Brodin was extremely encouraging um, to see. And obviously you look offensively and Hines making a couple of tweaks to the lines in this one tonight, putting off with Boldy and Erickson Eck, two of the hottest players for this team over the, uh, the last seven games. And you get a goal there. You also get with the Rossi, Zuccarello and Johansson pairing, you get a goal there. So Hines just... Just making some subtle tweaks, but I also like the fact that he's not trying to force players that would have been playing top line, top six minutes. I like the fact that he's not trying to force those guys in. He is more content to just let things let things simmer in that bottom six and just tweak what we see. Um, In that uh, in that top six, because the last couple of games, it's been uh, it's been a little bit of a quiet spell for Marco Rossi. And I think this is something that we would have seen from uh, from Dean would have been the desire to or the tendency to bump him down in the lineup, as opposed to simply understanding that with young players, you're going to have stretches of, in which their play. Is just not able to consistently hit that same bar, and just treat it like it's a little bit of a a cold spell. And so Hines doesn't knock him out of the top six, and Rossi responds with a goal. These are the kinds of differences that we've seen under John Hines that we didn't see under uh, Dean Evason uh, at the final the final brink of his tenure. So those are just some of the. Kind of observations that I had in this game. We have a lot to discuss here tonight. Um, and so we'll get to the comments, but overall, solid win. It it was a I, I just like the fact that um I like the fact that the Wilds were able to get it from one zero to two zero finally, as opposed to letting uh Seattle get back into it. And I like the fact that uh, Philip Gustafson looked really good in this one, but the defense was the big talker. The defense being able to step up and to make it miserable for Seattle's offense—that's the big story here because that unit is going to have to step their game up for this team to uh, continue to win games. So, a lot, uh, a lot to like in this game. Good to see the Wilds get back into the winner's circle. After losing the uh, the two back to back games, and um, now it's uh, now we head back home for uh, Calgary, Calgary, uh, and Vancouver as well. So we're going to get to the comments, and uh, we will talk about a lot more. We got a lot to discuss here on tonight's uh, Locked On Wild postcast. We will continue things with your comments. So get them in the comments section. We'll continue with your comments as we come back after this. Today's episode of Locked on Wild is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. And with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you are burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home the win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only? Exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Tonight's Locked on Wild postcast is also brought to you by Sleeper. A new NHL season brings all sorts of possibilities, whether it be Jewel Eriksson-Eck and his pursuit of a 40-goal season or the Minnesota Wild someday down the line hoisting a Stanley Cup of their own. And you can win big by playing daily fantasy hockey on Sleeper, the official daily fantasy app of the Locked on NHL Network. Sleeper is our number one choice for daily fantasy sports and especially daily fantasy hockey because with Sleeper, you can win 100 times your cash in daily fantasy hockey contests. All you have to do is pick whether elite players such as Jewel Erickson Eck, Matt Boldy, Marco Rossi, or Kirill Kaprizov record more or less than their Sleeper projections for things like goals, assists, saves, plus minus, and more in a given game. How about this for a tidbit, folks? Jewel Eriksson Ek has had three or more shots in 21 of 26 games so far this season. So if you are looking Jewel Eriksson Ek and you're looking at his shot totals, your best bet is going to be to pick the over with Eriksson Ek. Use promo code LOCKEDONNHL and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's code locked on NHL. See sleepers terms of use for details and locational availability. Welcome back to tonight's Locked On Wild postcast. Minnesota Wilds come up with a three nothing win over the Seattle Kraken here tonight. Uh, they pick up their tenth win of the season and finish the road trip with a record of two and two. And now it is time for us to uh go to the comments so keep them rolling here and we will uh scroll through everybody uh as we go Freddie gets us started with uh emphatic love for Philip Gustafson Gus Bus yeah Gus Bus was great and uh over his last five starts he has uh just he's gotten back to that level of play that we had expected that he would be at um when the season started he's four and one in his uh, last five starts with a 1.21 goals against average and a 9.51 save percentage. Those are Gustafson numbers. Those are the numbers that we have been expecting to see from uh, Gustafson so far this season. And so that, uh, that, I think, is greatly encouraging. Gus Bus is back. He just needed an oil change. Tires rotated. He just needed a a little bit of a tune-up And I found it interesting after the game, uh, talking with Kevin Gorg in the uh, post-game interview, he talked about how uh, he's just working on trying to be in better position pre-shot. And again, I think this kind of goes back to just not trying to anticipate what's coming and to just put himself in a good position before the puck is launched to be able to uh, make the play. And uh, this has obviously led to his numbers... Uh, continuing to rebound. And so whatever Gus is doing, it uh, it certainly is working out for the Wild here uh, so far this season. Tracy, the year of the Faber. Faber just... I mean, what, can, what more can you say about Brock Faber at this point? Let's just look. Let's look at what he did tonight. Uh, Faber finished with 24 minutes of ice time. Um, he had uh, three blocks and uh, was not... Uh, he uh, again, he was on the power play. He was on the penalty kill. He uh, was just a huge part of, uh, of why this team continues to uh, pick up their play after a dreadful start to the season. And he just as a rookie, he just continues to add more and more to his arsenal. He's getting more power play time. He is continuing to push offensively. These are all just the things that are going to continue to make him just a great defenseman in this league, and we're seeing him do this in his first full season in the NHL. It just it, it defies logic, and uh, he just continues to get better and better, it seems, every game he's out there. Quadrum with us, I like how he won in a different way. No, it wasn't fast offense like the first four. The Kraken came up at the uh, entire game. But we played solid D despite no Dean and closed it out in the third. Yeah, this this game was a little bit of a slower pace, and I think that has to do a lot with how the Kraken try to um, just get in the way of everything. They blocked a ton of shots in this game, and they also just play a uh, a style that is more of a uh, a slow it down type play. And actually, both teams had uh, a ton of blocks. The The Kraken had 23, but the Wild actually outblocked them. 25 blocks for the Minnesota Wild here in this one tonight. And so, you know, some nights are going to be fast. The thing that I think was encouraging for the Wild is that as the game went on, it seemed like they were able to generate more turnovers, which led to odd man rushes. And so as the game went on, they were able to get into the style that they want to try to play. It just was a matter of kind of weathering what what the Kraken were trying to do themselves. And so they did that. And uh, it's, it's encouraging that this team can kind of adapt its style based on who they're playing. Aiden joining us. I don't think Caprizov, Ek Boldy will last despite scoring a goal. It just seems like Caprizov, Rossi, Zuccarello gels better. I think that is probably the more desired outcome of the two. I think what, Hines is trying to do is to just see if they can find a complement wing to what Matt Boldy and Jewel Erickson are doing because, again, Marcus Johansson just like what did what did he do tonight? Um, he just continues to kind of he he had 13 minutes, two shots, and uh, also had a uh, giveaway. In this one, and so until he starts to produce as a second line guy, until he starts to produce, I think Hines just tried to just tried to see if there was a different combination that maybe could work for everybody. But ultimately, I do think they'll go back to Caprizov, Rossi, and Zuccarello because ultimately that is it. It like you said, it just it was working well. Had a couple of quiet games, and so. Heinz just trying to tweak things to uh, to get everybody back on track, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if we see that combination um, as as we go. But for right now, uh, Boldy and Erickson are the two hottest players on this team, and so uh, just trying, I think, to uh, to help Kaprizov give them some really good opportunities, and he did. Kaprizov had some great feeds at points throughout this game. Just some good, sh- good saves by Joey Decord to uh, prevent further goals, and so um, it's it's going to be interesting to see what Hines does with the ebbs and flows. Uh, Quadrum really liked Cap and Boldy together. I feel like we're close to seeing Kaprizov pop off. He looks like he's comfortable with his injury, whatever it was, groin leg. And I I agree. We're we're seeing Kaprizov kind of get into that area where Matt Boldy just was where it doesn't matter what he's doing I mean he had the two he had the two breakaways Decord was able to just make the saves I think when Kaprizov if he can get a game or two put together like Boldy had I think he's I think he's going to take off because I I think the key here is that he is looking like the guy from the last few years, he finally kind of looks up to speed. And so now the, the goals are just the next thing that, uh, that needs to pop in. And so that's, it's encouraging to see, um, because they're going to need him as, uh, as we go through the rest of the season. I, I kind of touched on this in my opening statement, I guess I'm going to call it, but as Quadra mentions here, Dean would have gone back to Caprizov, Hartman, Zuccarello, um, by now and yeah i think that's pretty accurate i do find it interesting that one of the tactical arguments or one of the tactical things that john hines has done is he does switch up the centers if they get to a point where they really need to get a face off if they need a face off win he seems like he goes to hartman or goes to eriksen to try to get those opportunities. And so that has been one of the interesting tactical adjustments that we've seen from Hines so far in his tenure. But then again tonight, the fact that the Wild were ahead, look at the minute distributions. Uh, Pat Maroon got 10 minutes tonight. He was the uh, the low man, at least forwards-wise. We'll talk about the, uh, the lowest minute total tonight uh, here in just a second. But Pat Maroon... With 10 minutes, you had Brandon Duhame with 12 minutes, 45 seconds. Connor Dewar with 14 minutes, 53 seconds himself. Hartman back up above 16 minutes. You had Johansson with 13. And uh, Rossi tonight finished with, thir- with 12.59. He did score. And so you're seeing Hines, I think, kind of game flow it to where he goes with the players that are playing the best. If you have the lead, he goes with the guys that are playing the best um, as as the game flows more evenly than what we were seeing, which was just like, hey, we're going to just go one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four uh, over and over and over again. So I, I like to see some of those um adjustments. Also, as Tracy mentions, Rossi seemed a little off, but then came out swinging in the second. And again, it's John Hines practicing patience, preaching patience uh, so that uh, he's not dropping somebody off of a spot just because they're they're going through a little bit of a rough patch. Um, I, I love the fact that he just has continued to keep Rossi in that top six, knowing that he's going to get out of it and is going to continue to be a productive player for them. So uh, really encouraging to see that as well. Now, this is this was interesting. Quadrum, is it true? Merrill only played one minute tonight. This was down the stretch uh in the third period. Merrill actually played a total of seven minutes and fifty seconds tonight. He was by far the lowest uh amongst defensemen here this evening. And so the pairings to start were Spurgeon and Goligoski. Uh, it was Middleton Faber and then it was Bogosian and Merrill. Spurgeon and Middleton played over 26 minutes apiece. Spurgeon at 27 minutes, 20 seconds. Middleton was at 26 minutes, 30 seconds. Faber then at 24 minutes, 12 seconds. But Zach Bogosian had a really solid 18 minutes, 23 seconds here tonight. He played on the penalty kill. In fact, the only two defensemen that did not play on the penalty kill tonight was Alex Goligosky and John Merrill. Bogosian, eighteen twenty three. he had three blocks, he had four hits. He did a really good job of keeping the front of the net in front of Philip Gustafson quiet and clear. There were a couple of guys that tried to kind of sneak in there and he just would not have it. So I, I thought Bogosian played really, really solid. And if he is able to just elevate himself a little bit, then I think he's going to be one of those guys that can... Dip into the, uh, dip into the well of what has been lost with Jonas Brodine, um not uh, not playing. So if he can if he can be one of those guys that can elevate himself a little bit, that's that's going to be a huge, uh, huge thing for this team. Christopher joining us. Well played game. It was it, it was just like what we've seen from the Wild. It, it took a little while for the offense to get going but you buy yourself time when you get an early lead. And when you add to the lead, when you're able to take it from one, nothing to two, nothing, then you're not having to chase. You can, uh, you can just continue to push as opposed to having to really exert yourself to get back into a game. Um, so yeah, it was, it was great to see the, uh, the wilds come away with the win here in this one. Denny is here, our fearless leader in the comments. Um, I have an idea. Give them Walker, Merrill and Mojo so we can bring up Vinny Hunt and maybe Beckman. Uh since the Wilds uh cannot just wave Johnny Vibes I some of those contracts uh in particular, the Johansson extension. And look, I know at the time we thought eh, it's 2 million. What's what's the worst that can happen? But I think I I don't know I I would probably have, if we have the benefit of foresight, which we do, I would have liked to have seen somebody get, somebody else get an opportunity to uh, to take that spot, as opposed to just going back to that same well, offering uh, trade protection and locking somebody into a, a multi-year deal because on the Johansson front. He is, what is he stuck at for points? This is going to be depressing for me. He's got 11 points on the season. He's got one goal through the uh, first 25 games that he's played. One goal. You're not paying him to be a three-goal scorer. Like, he, it needs to pick up or you need to find a way to move on because it's just, it's, it's not working like he was given a two year deal essentially because of how he played in the final 20 games of the season. Like you could have gone and found somebody or called somebody up to fill that spot as opposed to, to pegging that in. And now, now you got to kind of ride it out and you got to hope that he figures it out. Otherwise, if not, that's, that's just going to be, it's going to be problematic. Max joining us. I'm really liking Hartman on the fourth line. Is it just me? No, it's not just you. I think he has. It was interesting because Michael Russo, in talking with uh, Dan Barrero um, in his last appearance, he said that uh, it seemed like there may have been some frustration from Hartman on his role. And for him to now, it seems like, settle in to that fourth line spot, he has, he has looked good. Um, it's it, it. The situation where, again, I go back to Heinz, not forcing and trying to get a guy in because he's played a top six role before trying to get him into a spot, as opposed to simply just letting him kind of marinate in that bottom six. He, the patience is refreshing from, uh, from Heinz with some of these line combinations. And so, you know, like we talked about, too, with the minutes for Hartman, he's still got 16 minutes tonight. And so Hines is finding ways to when it makes sense, such as face offs, some of those other areas, he's finding ways to kind of move people around. But I think he realizes that, you know, you got to create a top six with your guys that uh, that have more skill. Kaprizov, Zuccarello, Boldy, Eriksson, Rossi, like five of those six spots are pretty well set. And so at some point, Marcus Johansson's going to play himself out. Now, and again, he, he still shows the flashes because as Tracy mentions, he has the rush where he broke in with crazy speed, but then did whatever he could do to not shoot. That's the other infuriating thing is you have some guys that just are not pulling the trigger. Wes Walls talked about it during the broadcast. He said you got to just get a jar started and players have to put 50 bucks in if they don't shoot when they have the opportunities to do so. So, your culprit tonight would be Marcus Johansson for this exact instance. He pushed in with speed, had an opportunity to glide up to the net and just didn't shoot. Like it you have to, you have to shoot. In those opportunities, let it rip, let it fly, go high, try to tuck one up top shelf, do something to get the goalie off his spot as opposed to just bailing out the opponent because you got in before they were ready and then you're like, oh, I I better wait. I better wait till they're they're ready to come in. Um, So that was uh, that was not ideal, but just Looking back at the uh, the minute tallies, I want to go to the minute tallies for the forwards because, again, as we've seen quite a bit this season, Jewel Eriksson-Eck leading the way, 20 minutes, 45 seconds. We're, we're not talking enough, and I'm not talking enough as a host about how good Jewel Eriksson-Eck has been this season. He's sitting at now 14 goals through the first 26 games of the season, I'm not a math guy, but thankfully ESPN projects it out so that I don't have to be. He's on pace right now for 43 goals in 82 games, 66 points, 20 power play goals. All of those numbers would shatter his previous career highs. Now, he's probably not going to continue at exactly that pace, but he's having the heart. He's having the same sort of season that Ryan Hartman had in 2021, 2022, where he finished with 35 goals. He with Krill a little on the quieter side from a scoring perspective with Matt Boldy, taking a while to get going. Eric Sinek has been the steady hand for this team. um, And he just continues to. Continues to pace the team in scoring. And I don't see that slowing down unless somebody goes on an absolutely torrid heater. And so Eriksson Eck at that price point of $5.2 million is just an outrageous steal because of all the other things that he does. And you now have a situation where the chemistry that Kirill Kaprizov and Matt Siccarello have together. Matt Boldy and Jewel Eriksson have become inseparable as linemates. and honestly, having a guy like Eric Sinek is probably the best thing that happens that could have happened to Matt Boldy because he is developing as Heinz said um, at the end of the game, he's developing that two way play and Boldy had, I, I lost track of the count. He had somewhere in the area of six instances in which he was able to uh, to physically create a turnover and spring a uh, teammate the other way for an odd man rush chance or a breakaway. He did it for Kaprizov twice. He had a couple of others where he was able to funnel for an odd man rush. And if Matt Boldy can continue to add that to his game, he's already pretty good at it. If he could continue to add that to his overall game, um, then when you're not scoring, you're still impacting the game in a bunch of different ways. And as he gets more physical, as he beefs up a little bit, he's going to just be a problem in front of the net because that's where a bunch of his goals have come so far this season. And if he continues to work at that, um, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be game over for, uh, for whoever ends up uh, being the third link to those pairings, and this, uh, I think this is kind of the, you know, this is the interesting thing too, because as good as Boldy and Erickson Eck have been together, you know, we they just, I mean, a guy on that other wing spot with eleven points in twenty five games. Just imagine if they got somebody that could actually consistently contribute. Oh, wait, that's that's how it's happened over the uh, the last couple of seasons is they get somebody that can just fill that spot and it ends up being just a, a hugely successful combination. So more from Erickson Eck and Boldy, please, because they have been just solid all season. I believe Eck will be in the running for best defensive uh, defenseman forward. He should get a ton of Selkie love uh, now that. Um, now that. I think it's Bergeron. Now that Patrice Bergeron is retired and is not going to just win it every year. Um, that that doesn't seem like the correct Boston name. Um, but now that, now that you have more of a wide open field in the Selkie, I think Eriksson definitely deserves a ton of love for it because he's a monster. He's just stifling defensively. And he's another player too that can help offset the loss of Jonas Brodeen. If he's able to simply just up his defensive game a little bit. It's it's not going to be, we talked about this in the pregame show. It's not gonna be one player that replaces Jonas Brodeen while he's out. It's gonna have to be a collection of guys that each step up a little bit to be able to uh, fill that void. And so for tonight. To see a guy like Zach Bogosian, also Jake Middleton, step in and uh, and just be better defensively. That's that's exactly what this team needed to do, and uh, hopefully they're able to continue that because they'll take on Calgary on Thursday, and then it is back to Vancouver. Now they'll be playing Vancouver at home, but it's back to playing Vancouver again come Saturday, and then after that you have. Uh, You've got a couple games against Boston, and uh, I think Montreal sprinkled in there too to finish off the uh, 2023 portion of the schedule. Oh, and you've got Winnipeg twice in that uh, same vein as well. So the schedule is going to start to heat up, but uh, if if we can continue, if the Wilds can continue to just have players just step up and fill fill voids, That'll go a long way. Yeah, it's it's funny because you know I, I'm sure a lot of you listen to it. I listen to it as well. The Dean Evason interview on the uh, Bar Down Beauties podcast. They talked about the fact that it is, is actually Calgary, um, and so I <laughs> I'm doing that a little bit in jest, but um, it's I I was like, there's no way because I've always heard it as Calgary, but I I guess it is Calgary. So. I don't know. I I I would just I just probably would go uh, uppercase L for the Flames uh, when they head to the XL Energy Center on Thursday uh, in the Minnesota Wilds next game. Yeah, Jeremy's right on it. The uh, capital L is for the amount of L's they take. Yeah, they're free falling. So it should be an opportunity for the Wild to pick up another win on Thursday. And now that we've got a couple of off days before the Wild play next. We've got some fun things that uh, we are going to be rolling out for you here this week. Uh, as mentioned, we got Brandon Duhame coming on the show on Wednesday. We'll be recording that on Wednesday. I will have a um, I will have a short video that I do if anybody has questions in which they would like to uh, to throw in the hopper to potentially be asked to uh, to Duhame. So be on the lookout for that tomorrow. Uh, and all you have to do is just comment on the video with whatever your question is. Uh, And I'll try to accumulate as many as I can for that. We're going to look at Erickson X numbers because he just continues to get better and better. It seems every season. And uh, we'll talk about uh, plenty more uh, as we move throughout the rest of the week, including potentially beating Vancouver on Saturday. I love the optimism from Tracy there. Um, That was a very winnable game that the wild had in Vancouver They just could not solve Casey DeSmith. And so if they can simply score goals, you got to like their chances to uh, be able to come away with the win. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up here tonight. Uh, Appreciate everybody hopping in as usual. Jeremy, Tracy, Denny, as always uh, joining us here uh, tonight. Will in the, uh, the comments as well. We have some new faces, Max, Bryce, uh, a lot of people hopping in as we typically see Quadram in here Freddie as well uh, Aiden I think I got everybody but uh, a lot of good back and forth here in our uh, lockdown wild postcast as the Minnesota Wilds get back to their winning ways beating the uh, Seattle Kraken by a score of three to nothing uh, so make sure that you subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms and on YouTube. So you don't miss out on any new content throughout the week. Lockdown wilds got you covered win or lose all season long as part of the locked on podcast network.